1: Yes, sir. That's right. We're back. It's all eyes on Cleveland. I am your host, Brad Ward. And we are here to kick off our trip around the AFC North, getting you ready for the 2020 NFL season. Tonight, we start with the Cincinnati Bengals. Special guest, James Rapine beat writer for sports Illustrateds AllBangles.com and host of locked on bangles podcast will join us to help us out with an inside look at the bangles and what to expect in the 2020 season you start getting excited There it is, we are back in full effect. It's all eyes on Cleveland. I'm Brad Ward, your host. Excited to bring you another edition of the show. Around the AFC North is an important uh, task that we tend to here at the show. Making sure we know your opponent know our opponent, James Rapine, will help us with that tonight. But first, you can catch all episodes of All Eyes on Cleveland, where all popular podcasts are found, including iTunes, Spreaker, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Radio.com, amongst many others, will be published tomorrow morning. At USA Today Sports Media Groups, The com, And the webpage where you can check out all show news and episodes is All Eyes on This is a show where we interview the top personalities in the Cleveland sports landscape, discussing the pressing issues that face our Cleveland Browns. Go ahead and kill that Mikey. Mikey's on the ones and twos tonight, doing his thing behind the glass. Big shout out to him. We're going to get right to the interview here with James Rapine. Like I said, uh, he uh, spent some time in Cleveland. You might recognize uh, him and his voice from being on 92.3 The Fan uh, for some time. Um, and then, uh, now, uh, is he's from Cincinnati covering the Bengals and doing it well. Uh, so, uh, as I said, uh, without any uh, further ado, we'll get you to him. He will, we'll talk Bengals. We'll come back, talk about a little bit what we talked about. And then I've got kind of a Bengals Browns comparison on the schedule, like what two teams are different. Um, on their schedule we'll take a look at any west coast trips and a couple interesting facts about the bangles this year um, and then we'll get you up and out of here um, it's been a strong past three days uh, with zach jackson ken rogers and now james rapine so look for that uh, special edition hard knocks premiere uh, show we did with a uh, VP of NFL Films and showrunner of Hard Knocks. Uh, that's available now, where all popular podcasts are found, and uh, will be available tomorrow morning at USA Today um, Sports Media Groups, The as well as All Eyes on Cleveland and as as the same is Zach Jackson's interview about the Browns, uh, which was terrific. He's outstanding. He uh, covers the Browns for the Athletic. So we're just just knocking them out one after another, trying to do big things here at All Eyes on Cleveland. Um, and Mikey, you ready? All right, let's do it. We got it teed up. Here we go. Here's the interview with myself and James Rapine. We'll come back, talk about it, get you out of here. Thank you for listening. You're tuned in with uh, All Eyes on Cleveland and uh, the Bengals edition of the AFC North, or around the AFC North. And we are honored to welcome to All Eyes on Cleveland, our uh, esteemed guest for today's show, uh, as we begin our trip around the AFC North here. Um, James Rapine, Bengals beat writer for Sports Illustrated's com. And host of Locked On Bangles podcast. How are we doing today, James?
2: Doing well, man. How are you?
1: I'm doing excellent, James. I miss uh, hearing you on 92.3 The Fan as much as uh, as <laughs> you used to be on, uh, uh, as you were on uh, quite a bit. How long did you work there?
2: Uh, about a year and a half. And okay. you're right it, it's a, it's a great place to work. I, I enjoyed it for sure, and um, yeah, it, it was certainly bittersweet. Uh, but, but at the same time, you know, you know how it is. You want to keep moving forward, but, uh, I miss those guys for sure. And, and everybody at the fan.
1: And you're from Cincinnati or you went to school at UC, right?
2: Yeah, I'm, I, I'm actually from Cincinnati and I I went to UC, um, and then got the job at at the fan and and lived in in Cleveland for, uh, about a year and a half and, uh, love downtown, by the way, love downtown Cleveland, love, Love Cleveland in general. I, I hate the rap it gets, and I'm not just saying this because I'm on a Cleveland podcast, but I, I defend it to anybody, uh, and I w- will always defend it to anybody because I, I really enjoy the city and uh, everything it has to offer, and I, I hate the national perception it gets because it's com- it couldn't be really farther from the truth.
1: Well, that's awesome. I mean, you got a chance to do, if I recall, you did, uh, you covered the Indians for a while, right? Pretty closely yep um and uh and what else is that about it is that basically what you were doing for most of the time? Uh, i was
2: doing Indian, indians and calves Indian so
1: calves and, and
2: i did a, a little browns here and there and hosted and you know did stuff like that but it was primarily indians and calves
1: yeah that's cool though i mean that's awesome uh what better job to be able to just you know walk over to the ballpark and uh sit down and watch the tribe and do a write-up and that's awesome so uh yeah, but we, I miss hearing you on there. As I always enjoyed uh, you, listening to you on the fan. Uh, so, uh, but uh, thanks for making time for us tonight on All Eyes on Cleveland. Uh, as I mentioned, we are doing our Around the AFC North, and we're starting off with the, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals here with you. So um, let's uh, get into some of that. So uh, Zach Taylor uh, is going into his second season as the Bengals head coach. Uh, what are your impressions of Zach Taylor, or James, uh, as he um, starts his second season or hopefully his second season of football here in I, Cincinnati?
2: I, yeah, I, I certainly think he's a, an organized coach, well, which uh, is certainly important when you're talking about everything that's going on in the world right now and everything that these guys are going to have to, to overcome um, but but here's here's what I'll say. I think the verdict is still completely out on Zach Taylor mm-hmm. because last year, day one of training camp, AJ Green goes down with an injury, gone for the season. In mini camp, their number one pick and projected started left, starting left tackle, Jonah Williams goes down yep. due to injury. Uh, th- they benched Andy Dalton for three games to see what Ryan Finley had, and that was bad. Like there was just there were so many issues. Uh, and I didn't even get into the Cordy Glenn situation and, and a bunch of other stuff. I mean, there was there was a lot that he had to deal with and, and, and um, struggle with last year. And so we'll see how he uh, how he can coach and how he is as a play caller this season. Now that he should have a a much t- more talented roster, albeit still probably the fourth. Uh, are projected to be the fourth team in the AFC North, so I think we're going to learn a lot about Zach Taylor this year. And he, I don't want to give him a pass for last year, but there are a lot of reasons why they struggled the way they did.
1: Yeah, um, didn't catch any breaks early on. Certainly, um, I would agree. I, I feel like the verdict is out on him. I, I really don't know what to make of him. You know, I haven't been watched him really close enough to, to form an opinion, but uh, it's hard to kind of get a good read on on him as a head coach. Um, There seems to be, though, as you just mentioned, a ton of potential on this Bengals offense. I mean, there's weapons everywhere, right? So, you know, they add T. Higgins already with a loaded wide receiver room. Um, Obviously, Joe Mixon. Uh, Do you expect big things from this offense this year?
2: I expect them to be fun to watch it's it's hard for me to say big things for a few reasons one it, it, they honestly they kind of remind me of the browns from last year a little bit yeah where, where you have these weapons you have this quarterback that you think is going to be better than what you've had uh you, you have this young offensive-minded head coach and i guess freddie wasn't young but he, he was certainly inexperienced when it came to head coaching um in all these weapons outside star running back but you're worried about the trenches and, and that's that's kind of where I'm at. So so the fact that we're worried about the offensive line with a rookie quarterback who doesn't have any preseason games to uh, work through some of the kinks, uh, it's going to be tough. Now, with that being said, do I expect them to score a lot of points at times and flash their potential and have some success at, at times this year and hang 35 on, on one of these division opponents? I do because when you, when you look at this roster, the biggest strength of the team, if they're healthy, might be wide receiver. Yeah. And and you have A.J. Green, a seven time pro bowler who's all business, no nonsense. And from what I'm hearing, looks like his old self. Now, can he stay healthy? That's a huge question. Tyler Boyd, back to back one thousand yard receiver to me, pretty comparable to Jarvis Landry. I know Jarvis Landry is a fan favorite in Cleveland. People love his toughness. Boyd is that for the Bengals. He's a real tough, hard-nosed slot receiver, can catch it over the middle, uh, leads by example, uh, and has some swag to him. And then after that, you, you got three guys that uh, all do different things and, and should be able to complement the the big two with John Ross and his speed, T. Higgins and his ability to just high-point the ball. And then Aden Tadu is, uh, is really a magician at contorting his body and, and finding a way to make c- tough, contested catches. So – Burrow has weapons Uh, and I didn't even mention Joe Mixon in the backfield. So he has weapons and it is uh, – there are going to be times where he flashes his potential. I just – I think it's going to come down to that offensive line and how they perform. If they can be even competent and that means the 20th best offensive line in the NFL, I think, yeah, this will be an explosive offense. But if they're 28th. I think more times than not, you're going to see uh, some struggles and and certainly some inconsistency. So uh, hopefully they can overachieve a bit so uh, fans get to watch Burrow put up points at Paul Brown Stadium.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I agree. Uh, If he can get protected um, just from, you know, I loved T. Higgins coming out, and that pick was just tremendous. Obviously you throw him together with Burrow and hope for, you know, that that, that connection matures over the years right and uh becomes uh something epic but uh certainly they are not lacking in, in wide receiver talent all of the guys you named have been uh excellent uh you know especially in, in like you said um uh with the uh with A.J. Green gone last year uh the ability of uh, the 1,000-yard uh, – what's his name? I just lost his name right now. Uh, he caught for over 1,000 yards last year. Losing my mind. T- Tyler Boyd? Tyler Boyd. And uh, he is uh, – he, he was outstanding. Killed the Browns. So uh, <laughs> terrific. He, he's a
2: good player. He's he's, he's one of those physical – he's from Pittsburgh, one of those physical dudes that he, he can just ball. He might not be the fastest guy, but he's uh, he's a baller for sure.
1: Yeah, and he's done that for a couple years, hasn't he? He flashed kind of the year before that, too, didn't he? He did. All right. So uh, are you surprised? Let's talk about Joe Burrow a little bit. You're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland with special guest James Rapine. James is the Bengals beat writer for Sports Illustrated dot com, and host of Locked on Bengals podcast. Uh, Joe Burrow, um, weird situation. Uh, you know, I've read some of your stuff, uh, on, you know, the situation as far as a rookie quarterback coming in. I, uh, was talking to a couple guests yesterday. It's just crazy to me how they're going to throw rookies out on the field, having never had a live (laughs) rep before this Mm -hmm. year. Like that's insane, right? Like you're going to step out on the field and you've never had a live rep before, but, um, he, if anybody can do it, it's him. Uh, I feel like, you know, he's got the moxie, he's got all that stuff. So um, a couple questions surrounding him, though. Are you surprised that the Bengals didn't add uh, a more veteran um, backup to kind of help him along or, or be there for support uh, as far as Joe Burrow goes? I mean, he's in there with a bunch of young guys, right? They have like four mm-hmm. four quarterbacks, all young. Um, are you surprised they didn't do that?
2: A little bit, yeah, absolutely. And and I'm not sure why they opted not to. I know they feel good about the young guys they have, and they did go out and sign Brandon Allen, but he's only made three starts. Uh, right. And they really signed him because of COVID, not because they wanted any kind of mentor for Joe Burrow. And, and I think maybe part of it is they just believe in Burrow. They think that he's ready to go. I know offensive coordinator Brian Callahan on Friday talked about really that that he has done he's been outstanding this offseason uh, and and it completely has the playbook down and as far as a from a mental standpoint is ready it's about getting the physical reps with all those all of his receivers that he hasn't been able to do this offseason so if that's the case i understand it at the same time i also get why especially now given the the offseason given no preseason you would want some kind of veteran in there, like a Josh McCown type. And I'm not necessarily saying Josh McCown. I don't know if he even wants to play again. But mm-hmm. someone like that, that can just be there and help out. Not a threat, but just a, a guy that, that has been there, done that. And they opted not to. And uh, only time will tell if if that, that was the right call or not. Here's what I will say. is I always think back to 2003 when the Bengals had the first pick and they drafted Carson Palmer. They sat him for a year behind John Kitna, and I don't think that helped Palmer. I think that was actually bad for him because it took him longer uh, to catch up, and he could have went through a lot of those growing pains his first season. So Joe Burrow's going to do that, and uh, much like Baker a couple of years ago, right? It was silly to have Tyrod Taylor there yeah. uh, in his way. Tyrod's a fine backup, but Baker should have been starting from day one. So I kind of think that's how the Bengals feel uh, with Joe Burrow.
1: Yeah, you want him to take his lumps right away. I agree, definitely, and a guy of his caliber. I just feel like, man, sometimes you can bring in a veteran and just an extra set of eyes can be a big deal. You know what I mean? They got somebody that's been there and done that before uh, in your ear seems to be a big help. I was surprised they didn't want to do that with him. Um, Now, the Bengals are quarantining, right? Four different quarterbacks. They're keeping them all separate. Do you like this idea? You know, once again, wouldn't it be – I could make the argument it would be more helpful to have a quarterback room to support him.
2: I actually like this idea Um, and I I think it makes a lot of sense because really they're quarantining but their lives aren't changing at all. They're, They're in the same building. They're just separating them when they're studying the playbook. Uh, and when they're having their meetings, they're just meeting virtually. So they're still out on the field together, but they try to keep their distance. And, uh, and and that happens anyway when you're you're going through walkthroughs. Two quarterbacks are going, they're throwing one side to receivers or tight ends, and then on the other side, about 10 yards away, they're, they're throwing on the other hash. So it, that's pretty normal. They, they haven't really changed much, except they're still meeting virtually. But I, honestly, I think in 2020, you can get just as much done in that scenario. I don't think that should be too much of an issue. Uh, And of the guys the Bengals have, it's Brandon Allen who's entering his fifth year, but he's had three total NFL starts. It's Jake Dolagala, who's an undrafted free agent. He's never played in anything but preseason. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Finley, who made three starts last year. So w- when Joe Burrow starts his seventh game, he's going to have more starts than any of these guys total and combined in, 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 within the, the entire quarterback room. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, you can only offer so much, I think. And and I think it th- this is part of it to, to go back to your Zach Taylor question. This is when you're going to see what he's made of as a play caller and as a coach. Is he the right guy? to lead the Bengals into this next era, it'll be how he coaches Joe Burrow and how he gets him ready and how Burrow plays during this this pandemic and during this season.
1: Yeah, well said. Uh, you are listening to All Eyes on Cleveland with special guest James Rapine, uh, Bengals beat writer from Sports Illustrated, allbengals.com. You mentioned, you talked a little bit about A.J. Green uh, earlier I wanted to go back and hit on that. What do you expect from him this year? You know, um, his age is getting up there, right? Um, do we? Does he still have, you know, Pro Bowl or All Pro AJ Green years left in him? You think?
2: Well, it's funny you say All Pro because he's never been an All Pro, which boggles my mind. <laughs> well, um, yeah. But 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 he hasn't, and I, I so. Here's what I'll say. I I think A.J. Green, when he's healthy, and that's the question, is still an elite receiver in the NFL. Uh, He's still got the same burst. He's still got the same catch radius. He's still got the same – the wisdom. uh, If anything, more wisdom at this stage. Um, But but the key, again, is keeping that lower body healthy. He's had ankle injuries, hamstring injuries, toe injuries. And and it's really derailed what was a potential – hall of fame career especially with a quarterback like andy dalton who left a lot of meat on the bone when it came to a.j green's numbers there were multiple times where andy dalton would miss him so now let's say a.j green's declined a little bit let's say he's 90 percent of the old a.j green well you're hoping you're getting a better quarterback in burrow a more accurate quarterback a guy a more of a playmaker can keep plays alive so that could counteract itself not only this season but but moving forward so I expect a huge year out of A.J. Green. Uh, if you told me he played 16 games, uh, I, I expect 1,200 yards. And, and that's just that's my expectation for a player of that magnitude. I'd say the same thing about Odell Beckham Jr. or any of the other elite wide receivers in the league. If he's out there, he, he should be a game changer. And, uh, and I think that's the Bengals' expectation. That's why they franchise tagged him. They're paying him to be one of the top receivers in the league. They're paying him $18 million uh, this season to do so. So they expect it. And from what I've heard, all the early returns are that he has that exact same look and feel that he did a few years ago when he was considered one of the elite receivers in the game
1: interesting, scary, scary for other teams certainly if he is if he is what he could be and and that surrounding cast we talked about that's really scary. The other guy that's kind of an enigma that you guys have over there is john ross, right mm-hmm. um he hasn't really lived up to the potential but has the ability to you know be uh, that Tyreek Hill type guy right um what do we expect from John Ross this year is he coming along is this a make-or-break type year for him
2: it is absolutely is he's in the final year of his contract and he needs to show the league that he can be that dude the dude that he was at Washington uh the the guy that you're right like a Tyreek Hill-esque type of player and it's it's crazy because I mentioned health with A.J. Green. Since Ross was drafted in 2017, Green and Ross have played a total of seven games together.
1: Wow, that's wild.
2: Seven games. That's out of a possible 48. Like that is nuts. Uh, and unfortunately, Ross has missed half of them. He's played in 24 of 48. Most of those were injuries. Some was because he was in Marvin Lewis's doghouse. But, but as far as expectations for this season go, if he can stay healthy – I think Ross is in a position to to show up and put up big numbers. I, I already talked about Burrow and, and Andy Dalton, right? I think Burrow's going to have, have a much accurate, more accurate deep ball. It's going to be more on target. It's going to lead Ross, and, and he's extremely fast and quick, and has all the physical bi- ability you could ask for. So you combine that with year two of Zach Taylor's system, and given what Ross did last year at the early part of the year, he was on pace through four games. He was on pace for over thirteen hundred yards receiving. Hmm. Like he, he, and it was because of a huge week one against Seattle. But he had some big plays that second week, and then was consistent in, in, in week three. And then he got injured uh, against the uh, the Steelers, and it was a, a clavicle injury. And it's it's always been something with him. He had a shoulder, yeah. He had a knee, he had a hamstring. So if he can stay healthy, and I know he's done certain things to his body uh, to to try to strengthen it and, and, and try to be able to absorb. A full 16 game season if he can do that i think he could be uh be a game changer i really do but that's a big if given that he dealt with injuries in college he's dealt with injuries in the first three years of his nfl career um but like i said if he could stay healthy he's got the speed the quickness the physical ability and now probably the quarterback to have a big season
1: interesting stuff very very good james uh Now, this is uh, a tough one here, at least for me it is. Uh, You may feel differently. The dreaded running back extension in the NFL nowadays, right? Teams are getting burnt left and right uh, that, that, you know, have extended running backs. And and it's coming for the Browns, and it's here for for the uh, Bengals pretty much, right? Joe Mixon. what are the Bengals thinking when it comes to a Joe Mixon extension? Are they looking to lock him up for three to four years? Are they looking at a franchise tag? Uh, do they want to wait and see on this deal? Um, you know, the the question, I've kind of phrased it to some people, it really is, it's a tough, such a tough decision because of the amount of money um, and and, you know, Running backs are running backs, right? So you really do have to be special, and I do think Joe Mixon is a special back. Um, so it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what Cincinnati does. Where where are you at with this? What do you think they're going to do here?
2: I think that they're going to – I, well, I know they're trying to extend him, and okay. they want to extend him, and that's a priority. I think that's really their only priority as far as contracts go between now and the start of the year. They want to get a deal done with Joe Mixon. And he's a guy. I agree with you. He is special, and the numbers don't show that completely because he's dealt with an awful offensive line. Like I know Browns fans think the past couple of years their offensive line's bad, not nearly as bad as the Bengals' offensive line has been. <laughs> so so w- when you combine that with Ryan Finley at quarterback, well, teams yeah. are going to put ten in the box and say there's no way Ryan Finley could throw it 15 yards downfield, and they were right, <laughs> you know. So uh, despite that, Mixon's ran for back-to-back 1,100 yard seasons he's he's shown the ability as a pass catcher out of the backfield and, and i think that's where the bengals need to use him more this year is as a, a receiving threat he's uh he, he's kareem hunt-esque when it comes to catching the ball out of the the backfield mm-hmm. he can do that regularly um and, and do it does it just as smooth and, and can make guys miss all of that stuff and so wh- when you have that type of back i say pay him um i i have come to this number in to me, it just seems like a fair number uh, okay. considering what he could be. I would offer him four years, $40 million. Okay. And that would keep him under contract through uh, his twenty age 24, 25, 26, and 27 seasons. So you're getting him for basically the rest of his prime. And instead of paying him $15 million like Zeke or Christian McCaffrey, you may be overpaying a little bit for the numbers he's put up. But if you get him involved in the passing game this year and moving forward – He's going to really carry that offense. He has the, the ability that Zeke does to carry an offense and be the focal point. And, and if you run everything through him, then that will be end up being a bargain at $10 million per year. So that's how oh, I see it. Yeah. And uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked at, at all, like I said, if they get a deal done uh, over the next few weeks.
1: Interesting. I didn't know they were that close. That's uh... – Good news for Bengals fans. Certainly bad news for the rest of the AFC North, in my opinion. He is, he is a beast, <laughs> for sure. Um, all right. Uh, let's uh, switch sides of the ball here. Defensive coordinator uh, Lou... A- I'm going to butcher this. Anna Rumo?
2: You didn't butcher it. You nailed it. No,
1: I nailed it. How about that? Uh, so I really, really did like, James, what the Bengals did in free agency. So... You know, D.J. Reader with Geno you know, Atkins, I mean, that's as good of an um, up front in the middle as I think you can probably find in the NFL. Um, you know, they added good experience corners with Trey Waynes, McKenzie Alexander. They added Von Bell, right? So um, I, I love the draft pick of Logan Wilson. Um, what do you expect from this defense?
2: I expect them to certainly be better. It's just there's so many moving parts and so many new faces. In the Bengals, they they, they finally get aggressive and spend money in free agency. And they go get these guys. And it's like, oh, DJ Reader in the middle. And they do that. Why? Because they're in a division with Lamar Jackson, Nick Chubb, Mark Ingram, Kareem Hunt, all all these guys that are going to run. Uh, and, and so I love that move. Made a lot of sense. Then they go out and they completely revamp the linebacker room and they get Josh Bynes from the Ravens and, and they get draft three linebackers in April and they go forward by revamping their secondary as well. They had a safety in Von Bell who heck, some of you probably watched at Ohio State, but it was yep. really good for the Saints and, and Trey Waynes, a former first rounder, Mackenzie Alexander, a former second rounder. You look at the defense and it, it's coming together. The problem is, is how much can you come together when you get maybe 12 padded practices? I don't think they're going to be able to practice all 14 times that the NFL is allotted for teams to do in pads. So 14 padded practices or less. You have met virtually all offseason. The middle of that defense is still extremely young uh, in that linebacker room. It's just it's a lot to ask. It's a lot to ask for it to come together, but I I do think they have the talent. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of defenses that would like to start out with Geno Atkins, DJ Reader, Carlos Dunlap, Carl Lawson, Sam Hubbard, and, you know, and, and then William Jackson on the outside with Trey Wayne's two first round corners. I mean, that's that's a pretty good spot to be in with Von Bell and Jesse Bates on the back end. So they have talent. But my question is, can that come together? without a full training camp and without preseason games? And are you able to do that um, in what is, I think, the best division in football? I I think the Browns are, from a talent standpoint, have a a top five offense. I mean, there really isn't a hole. There isn't a weakness on the Browns offense. The Ravens, to me, have the best roster in football, period. And then the Steelers, while I'm kind of down on them, Mike Tomlin's never gone worse than 8-8 and Ben Roethlisberger's back. And yeah, he's been injured. But he's a future Hall of Famer. So it's an extremely tough division and obviously Pittsburgh's defense is great. But I I think the Bengals have made up for that talent deficit a a bit. I just wonder how cohesive they'll be as a unit considering all the moving pieces, considering all the new parts and, and, and how quickly they have to get ready for this season.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of teams asking that question. I got to think, you know what I mean? How can how can we pull this together in just you know twelve or fourteen padded practices? You know, all these walkthroughs. I think they're up to ninety minute walkthroughs. I heard or whatever. So, uh, I mean, you know, at least the the head coach is there for the second year. You know what I mean? Uh, So, uh, at least there's some familiarity there. But like you said, a lot of moving parts on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I really liked um, also just you know looking at the depth chart here. Uh, Akeem Davis Gaither was a guy I really liked out of the draft. You guys are the the have like the same. I really like the defense. Looks extremely talented all over the place. There, there's ball players all over the place. Except I worry about their linebackers are 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 young, uh, very mm-hmm. young, and, and it's the same problem the Browns have. Browns have a bunch of young linebackers, inexperienced um and uh with that in mind what what kind of scheme does uh uh run and uh, or can we expect him to run this year Will he try to get you know probably play like 60 70 percent of the time with uh you know two linebackers on the field or is he gonna type of guy that stays in base more do you have an idea on that
2: yeah last year he actually had two linebackers on the field it was like 75 or 80 percent of the time so yeah. he was he was he was using as many dbs as he could last year um this year i i think considering the fact that they invested heavily in that linebacker position and completely revamped the room that that'll change a little bit they'll be in, in base a bit more but at the same time they still have sean williams around so you have guys like a, an Akeem davis gaither who's extremely versatile sean williams vaughn bell safeties I know Davis Gaither is a a linebacker, but two safeties in Bell and Williams that like to hang around the line of scrimmage. And so that gives you flexibility. And I think if I'm Lou Anarumo, I'm getting really creative here. Like Akeem Davis Gaither to me is the perfect spy for Lamar Jackson in the the Mm -hmm. two games for the Ravens. Uh, He's a guy who can blitz off the edge well. Uh, While he wasn't used as a a regular linebacker at Appalachian State uh, traditionally, Um, You can get creative with how you use him and and use him almost as a defensive weapon all over the field. Um, But but yeah, I I think you're going to see a lot of Jermaine Pratt, who's a a second-year linebacker, third-round pick in 2019, and Josh Bynes. Yeah, Yeah, and Josh Bynes early. Those will be the two. And then after that, it'll be Logan Wilson. And those will kind of be the three-barring injury that you see. And hopefully by week eight or nine, in my eyes, Logan Wilson is able to uh, kind of overtake Binds, who's a 30 year old veteran, a guy that you bring in to help stabilize the room. But you hope these young guys get up to speed and, and can do some damage and get significant playing time and experience. But yeah, it, it's a totally fair concern. If, if I see one real true weakness on this defense, it's that it's young linebackers. And one of the things I, I will say that they tried to do is when you go out and get a DJ reader, you're hoping that makes life much easier on the linebackers because these offensive linemen aren't getting off their blocks because they're dealing with Geno Atkins up front and DJ Reader and the guys off the edge. Uh, So that way the the linebackers are clinging and can come downhill and make the plays.
1: Interesting. How much does uh, Carlos Dunlap have left?
2: He's – I, I think he's got a lot left. He's actually just a couple of sacks away from the Bengals all-time uh, sack record. He's a freak. I, I
1: bet, yeah. He's yeah, he, been around a while. It seems like, it seems like he's been around forever, uh, raising, raising hell for them. But, yeah. Um,
2: he, he was but, drafted in 2010. Yeah, he was drafted in 2010, and uh, I believe he has 80, 82 and a half sacks. He's a couple away wow. from breaking the record, I and I expect that to happen. And, honestly, he's the type of guy that – and he's 31 this year. He could still be a, a, a really serviceable pass rusher just because he's such a freak athlete and, and a technician. At like 34, 35, he's a guy. I don't know if he'll end his career with the Bengals, but if he wants to play that long, he'll be able to to bounce around a little bit and still be a, a very serviceable pass rusher in situations, uh, you know, in situational uh, football. You know, at, at 35 years old. Interesting.
1: Interesting uh yeah so bad news for everybody else see, i mean see like i look at this at this Bengals rusher and it's just uh they did a really good job in free agency uh they already had the weapons on offense if you get healthy it's like you had two first round picks you get your quarterback who is going to be an absolute stud in my opinion you get your your offensive lineman that you took last year who basically got redshirted right because of injury uh i mean it, it's a it sets up for a nice little turnaround. It's going to be a weird year in the NFL, certainly. Um, but if there's anybody that can grasp this early, it's Joe Burrow. I think they've got some talent on the defense. I really do think the AFC North is probably the second best division in football behind the AFC – uh, yeah, the AFC – the West. Yeah, the AFC West, yeah. Uh, so, um, pardon me, the NFC West. Uh, so I, I do think they're the uh, the second-best division probably in all of football.
2: Yeah, I, I'm with you, and I think they actually contend for the best here because I, I think the Browns – I'm not trying to jinx. I think the Browns are really good. I, I think the Steelers are going to be right there with that, with that elite defense as long as they can get the running game going. And, and then, like I said with the Ravens, I think they're the best team in football. So yeah. combine that with what, what, what I think is a, a fine roster – a Bengals roster, it's just tough. Like, does it compare to some of these other teams? that might not have the depth, but the top end talent is there, it's especially with their offseason season addition. So, yeah. it, uh, it it should be a lot of fun to watch. That's for sure.
1: All right, you're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland with James Rapine. Uh, James is the Bengals be- writer for Sports Illustrated's All bangles.com go check that out uh and uh, he's host of locked on bangles podcast which i'm sure you can find where all popular podcasts are found right is that correct james
2: yep it's everywhere uh, all
1: right so uh just a couple more questions and we're done here uh antonio brown uh is uh been linked to a number of teams i heard the the bangles what do you thought your thoughts on that i mean it, <sighs> uh, i mean you know, eight game suspension, right? He gets it somehow. He gets it. You get to serve it, whether he's on a team or not. And I don't really know how fair that is, but whatever. Uh, that's their ruling. And then, uh, you know, somebody's gonna gonna pick him up. You know, Seahawks uh, are rumored to have interest, uh, non-committal interest from from them. Uh, but I heard Cincinnati too. I mean, what, what are they gonna? I mean they've been known to take guys like this what are your thoughts on that
2: i'd be shocked and you're right they were mentioned uh i think it was bet online yeah had odds and i think they had the eighth or ninth best odds yeah to sign um you know an all worldwide receiver but uh, a weird and potentially bad human being depending on who you <laughs> ask and uh, what's no, I, going on?
1: I, I, I'm pretty sure it's an affirmed bad human being. Yeah. I wouldn't say potentially anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to be nice, you know. I was trying, to, but
2: but yeah, I, I um I, I don't see it. It just doesn't fit. It doesn't fit anything the Bengals have tried to do, um, with just culture wise and who they kept around and who they moved on from. I mean, six of their seven guys they drafted in April were team captains. So they're they're targeting a specific kind of person. Along with a specific kind of football player, it doesn't mean these guys can't play and that they're altar boys, right? You know, they're they're dogs, but they're they're leaders. And the last thing I think you want when you bring in a guy like Joe Burrow, who is a leader right away, him and Baker have similar tendencies that way, where they command the room right away and and the guys are going to follow them. It's the last thing you want to do is bring in a guy like that when you you already have. We already went over the receivers. We already there's stacked wide receiver room. So I don't see it happening. But I do think it's interesting that the odds makers listed the Bengals as a potential potential candidate
1: yeah that may just be like a, a leftover from the perfect years you know what I mean like uh where they kind of had a bad rap of, uh, of just having those kind of players uh, mm-hmm. for for a while there and I wonder if that's just kind of a staying leftover as they're trying to change the culture there you know what I mean uh, and and maybe got thrown into that for that reason because if you look at it, really, they don't even have room in the in the wide receiver room for for him. Uh, no. So, uh, what is the Bengals uh, sling, James?
2: Whew. I mean, they're sealing, and this is if, <laughs> you know if everything goes right, right. So the offensive line is a top twenty unit, which is a huge if. AJ yeah. Green and John Ross stay healthy. Yeah. Zach Taylor proves he's the the coach for Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, to to get the most out of them. I mean, they're sealing. And we talked about their high end talent already. It's probably like nine and seven. They're sealing, you know, 10 and six in that range and a playoff spot. But that means everything has to go right. Uh, and then things have to go right for them uh, when it comes to other teams. So the Browns unravel again. Ben Roethlisberger isn't the same guy or gets injured again. Uh, you know, maybe Lamar gets dinged up or something like that. You know, like so many things would have to happen for that to happen that i don't see but i, I think they're sealing probably around 10 and 6 9 and 7 in that range which uh, again and, and i hate to keep comparing them to the browns but they sort of remind me and they have maybe a little higher end talent than the browns but they remind me of like the 2018 browns yeah uh but where they they have the rookie quarterback almost with the hybrid of the 2019 version because they have a lot of weapons and, and uh you know, you know how hard it is to to make that leap. I mean, they won two games last year. So do I think it's even probable that they go nine and seven? No, but I do think it's possible if a lot of things go their way. So I think that's their ceiling. Okay, and their floor. three and thirteen ish in that range, you know, three and thirteen, four and twelve. You know, the offensive line unravels. Zach Taylor struggles in year two, and you question if he's the guy to get the most out of burrow. You know, no preseason, all virtual off Burrow struggles some, and, and has almost like a Peyton Manning start to his career. Yeah. So, so I think, I think it could go either way there. You know, I and I think usually at one extreme, the other extreme, the answer is usually in the middle. I, I could totally see six wins. You know, f- five to seven seems most likely to me. But I, I think worst case scenario, probably three or four wins.
1: Very good. Well done. Uh, great interview today uh, with James Rapine. James, thank you so much for your time. You've been fantastic. Uh, as you kicked off our uh, trip around the AFC North to kind of uh, scout everybody out. So we appreciate the time. You you were terrific. Miss hearing you on the radio uh, all the time. Uh, um, and uh, if you will uh, send me, I'll email you, but if you send me your t-shirt size and address we'll send you an all eyes on cleveland t-shirt for coming on the show and uh, i don't know if you can wrap that down in cincinnati but hey you used to be up here so we'll send it to you anyway so how about that?
2: nice no i'll wear that especially i'm still in cleveland regularly so okay. i'm, I'm not uh, i'm not completely out of cleveland cleveland yet so i'll certainly be able to wear that
1: very good thanks so much for making the time james rapine of uh AllBangles.com, beat writer for Sports Illustrated and host of Locked on Bangles podcast. Thanks again. And there it was. Interview with James Rapine. He is a familiar voice here in the Cleveland area. Used to be on 92.3. Now the Bengals beat reporter for Sports Illustrated, allbangles.com, and host of Locked On Bengals podcast. So, thank him for coming on the show. He was excellent, as usual, giving us the breakdown, the rundown on everything uh, Bengals and uh, what to expect this season. Uh, I've got some more stuff here, uh, just logistically more uh, on the season as far as uh, comparing schedules with the Bengals, quarter of the two team, differentials, um couple other factoids, and then uh, a a point of interest that I've talked about on the show before. So I'm going to hit that here in the last five minutes, and we'll get you up and out of here. Mikey, go ahead and kill that. Mikey on the ones and twos, doing his thing. As usual, you're locked in listening to... All eyes on Cleveland, the podcast. I'm your host, Brad Ward. That was Brett, myself, and James Rapine uh, talking Bengals football 2020. Speaking of Bengals football 2020, uh, boy, did they get absolutely hosed when it came to – we've already talked about the NFL Top 100 – And we talked about a little bit about the process yesterday with Ken Rogers. He was able to enlighten us uh, because he works for NFL Films. That players get the ballots at the end of the season. Every player gets a ballot. They can pick 20 players. uh, But it's at the end of the regular season. But, man, did the Bengals get absolutely hosed in the NFL top 100. Not one Bengal player. Oh, man. Not one. Oh, man. Uh, Part of the top 100, and that is with, uh, let's see here, eight-time Pro Bowler Geno Atkins didn't make it. Uh, And then you had uh, back-to-back 1,000-yard receiver uh, Boyd. Uh, Boyd did not make it. Oh, man! And... They're running back, of course. Uh, Joe Mixon, who we talked about uh, at length, negotiate, looking to negotiate that contract there in Cincinnati and his extension, back-to-back 1,000 yards rushing, not in the top 100. Oh, man! Uh, odd, very odd. I, I would have to say that... Uh, They got this list uh, incorrect. Not very good. Not very good. Not very good. Uh, And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how you keep some of those guys off of there, but zero bangles on the the top 100 list. Uh, A shame there. Uh, so, the Browns play the Bengals week two, Thursday night football at home, and week seven, that Thursday night is an eight twenty start at home, uh, first night game of the year, uh, week seven at Cincinnati at 1 p.m., uh... The interesting thing about those two games is they both follow really tough opponents. Not that the Bengals won't be tough, because I think they have the talent to really beat some teams this year um, if things fall their way. Now, Joe Burrow kind of changes everything for me. Plus, they really did add to that that roster, talented roster. They added to that defense side of the ball Greatly, adding T. Higgins is huge. they got a ton of weapons on offense. The question is the offensive line. The question is the linebacking core. uh, And if they can come together, really, uh, and play defense at a better level than they have in the past couple years. But uh, the Browns play them week two, and that's after a trip to Baltimore. So at Baltimore, then they get the Bengals at home. And then in week seven... Uh, They go to the Steelers week six. uh, uh, Pardon me. Yeah, to the Steelers week six. And then they get the the Bengals on the road week seven. So they both follow really tough divisional matchups. Now the difference in the schedule, as we all know, okay, so there's 16 games on everybody's schedule. You play two. Other divisions and those all equal, you know, line up directly with your divisional foes. But then there's a uh, two games that are not the same on everybody's schedule because it depends on where you ended up uh, ranked um, in your division the year before. So this year, The difference between the Bengals' schedule and the Browns' schedule are two games, and they are the Browns play the Raiders, the Bengals do not. The Browns play the Jets, the Bengals do not. The Bengals play the Chargers, the Browns do not. The Bengals play the Dolphins, the Browns do not. So when you look at that, uh, it's pretty much a split there. I mean, Raiders and Chargers, I have pretty much on the same level. Um, maybe one of them could shoot up and have a really good year, but they both have a lot of talent. Chargers have probably a better best roster of the four teams I just named, but um, their quarterback situation is iffy, uh, as we talked about with Ken Rogers when he was on. Um, and then uh jets dolphins you know the dolphins actually scare me a little more than the jets even do at this point so i'm glad the browns get the jets and they get the dolphins so that works out as far as that goes last thing i want to hit here on all eyes on cleveland my question has been you know we we're watching baseball with no fans we're watching the nba with no fans NBA has been terrific success. Uh, they they set up those gyms, uh, you know, arenas in a way that you you didn't miss the the seating, um, and then you had the big boards right on top of the court, and then you had music playing, and then you have virtual fans on the. Um, the boards there. So it does look basically like there's a bunch of fans sitting there watching, and that's really what's happening. It's just happening virtually. So I swear I saw JB Smooth in like the second round of the other night. I, 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 I don't know. I wrote something on Twitter about it and nobody responded to me. So I take it nobody else saw that, but I thought I saw JB Smooth on one of those Zoom. Uh, virtual fan seats, uh, but um, if you watch NBA on TNT, they keep showing Shaq is somehow, you know, uh, finding his way to stick his head up into the Zoom lens in one of the seats, uh, random at random times during the game. So that's pretty funny in itself. There, if you see that. Uh, but I like that they did that and then they have you know there's a, the um you can hear the uh the teams have a bigger area you know to so they can social distance but they on their bench area but they also make a lot of noise same with the baseball games they they got like and down in Cincinnati they had their their whole uh grounds crew had uh you know, instruments, drums, stuff to bang, make noise down there. You know, they play some crowd noise at, uh, uh, up at, uh, Progressive Field. And then they, um, they play music and, and everything else. And it, it, you don't notice, at least for me, I don't notice that there's not fans there. Obviously, you would notice the difference side by side, but it's not as big of a deal as I thought it would be. And it has taken nothing away. Most importantly, has taken nothing away from the um, intensity of the game. It hasn't taken a thing away from the intensity of the baseball game. The moments are still big. They're still. You can still feel the intensity. Uh, the game gets tight, it gets tense, Uh, it's very much still there. Same with the basketball, guys playing with passion, guys playing hard, guys, you know, it's not, the fans have not, them not being there, and I think the methods they've used have helped certainly make the games feel more normal, but the fans not being there has not taken away any of the intensity that that we're used to um and so when it comes to the nfl then i want to see the virtual fan right like if they can't if we can't supposedly lieutenant governor of iowa says they're working on a plan to get some fans in for the Bengals and browns the browns don't need to worry worry about it till mid-september it's their first home game but you know that's what they said but at the rate we're going as a state, that's probably not going to be feasible unless all of a sudden we see a major drop-off in, you know, positive rates in the state uh, for the coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic. So um, I I did read in an article that the NFL is considering the virtual fan – uh, set up in empty stadiums, which I think is a great idea just to have, you know, the faces they're watching, uh, being able to make a little noise, uh, you know, makes the field or gym, as far as the NBA goes, feel fuller, feel like more people are engaged, and I think that would help uh, big time um, as far as, you know, combating the lack of fans there as you know Jake Burns uh, writes for the OBR made a comment on Twitter that in American football having fans not be there will will make a difference will be a big deal Uh, and I agree completely that it it will because so much of what they do is derived from the crowd and uh, energy uh, of them cheering them on and the, the, the sounds of the moment and, and the you know the roar of the crowd is all part of uh, you know, home field advantage and, and professional football. So I think if they can put, if you're gonna have empty stadiums, if it's mandated by your state, I think if you put some virtual fans in there, uh, play music, play some maybe some underlying crowd noise, uh, with whatever else, other noise you're going to get going in there, whether it's virtual fans and the sideline and, you know, whatever, press boxes for owners, et cetera, that the virtual fan look, I think, is a good model to follow as far as what the NBA did. I think it has helped the NBA. I think it would help the NFL. And they, the word is they are considering it. So I was happy to read that. Uh, I even posed that question in a roundabout way to uh, Ken Rogers of NFL Films and Hard Knocks, uh, and he said that he wasn't sure how they were going to handle that, but I did read today uh, they're thinking of uh, implementing the virtual fan. So two thumbs up for me. I think that's a great idea until we can get real people in there. Uh, I thought James Rapine was fantastic uh, giving you guys the Bengals Breakdown tonight on All Eyes on Cleveland This has been another episode Go get the show where all Popular podcasts are found Get your All Eyes on Cleveland t-shirt They are popular uh, You can see Eric Metcalf Wearing his, you can see where Ken Carmen got his L.A. Broadus uh, Teeds uh, My brother, they're, everybody out there They're all wearing them, they're looking nice Uh, rep your city, put on for your city, uh, all eyes on Cleveland t-shirts available. Go to the pinned, uh, tweet at the top of at all eyes on cleveland on Twitter, uh, so that you can uh, go shop it. You can get it in any color. We've got it in, like, pink for the ladies or whatever other color you want there. And we've got it in the traditional black. You can get it with the logo or without it. But either way, it comes with the all eyes on Cleveland across the chest, baby. And that's all that matters. Glad that you could be with us tonight and this weekend. Hope you listen to the other shows that we put out as this was a... A big-time weekend for us here at All Eyes on Cleveland. For Mikey on the 1s and 2s, I am Brad Ward. Thanks for listening. We are out.
3: Moving on, yeah, whatever you got, we gon' get. Bringing our point to your position. Ripping stages with my thought coalition. Carrying on, eradicate all your stress mode. Just another episode through these area codes. We banking on High times running do your city. If you're missing out, at a show. A we got my times running through your city. The hotness talked about but never seen at the lockness. Did you cop this? Drop it inside your vein and like a train. You be running throughout your legs and arms, you're high off a talent and charm. Check the caliber. It's a smash, like some food on stage with Gallagher, where well, your bit, cause it's messy, niggas scheming on my girl as if my name was Jesse,
0: watch your manners, now let me pass it off, the day. Yo, I said travels like camera the LaRue, small talking in the big city, it's all about getting the coins, everywhere I go, I touch a tenderloin, Exportin' a dot .com, Vietmar, mark on your metro, model order the iron horse, yo, take the cross, and meet a nigga at the butcher, cutting your girl, we on a world tour, supplying your bloodstream, with nothing but the pure uncut. High times running through your city. If it are out, it'll show. We, we, we a city. We got high times running through your city. Funk, the funk, the funk, the funk, the funk. Funk, the funk, the funk, the funk, the funk. We ain't walking on a yellow brick road. These streets stay red and bloody. Kids study oh, your code so no. you can easy pass. I stash a little love when I'm on a visitation. If you cross my line nigga do the same i'm guaranteed to run through and prove the game ain't bigger than the pieces in it you see the pieces in it had me stuck traveling one side of the map clapping hands with back cats who ain't deserve that long hauls are living out of suitcase man chicken heads and gangs of fruitcakes man ain't nothing better than exploring the outskirts especially when she ain't got no pantyhose on and it's on time'm times wanna do your city if you're missing out it'll show we a pity we got our time.
3: We got Maceo getting down. And of course my nigga Eno getting Uh, down. And we got JD getting down. And of course B getting down. And we got my man Christ getting down. And we got Tom Sense getting down. And we got ND getting down. You know Troy Hightower getting down. And we got C. Smith getting down. And my nigga Dave West getting down. Come on, come on. do it.
0: Greedy? Huh Alright. <laughs> Greedy. Yes, sir.